Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, right now media is something that I am super excited about. First off, my name is Pastor Scott. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, but right now it's something I am so excited about that we are getting ready to, to launch. And here's the deal. Today, if you are already a member of our email list, if you're just on our email list, like you get Pastor Chris's Friday 5, you're on our email list. Today, around noon, you are going to receive an email from Right Now Media. And with that email, it'll take you to their website to be able to log in, create a, a login and a password. And you're going to have access to tens of thousands of Bible studies right at your fingertips. There's an app for your phone. There's an app for your iPad. There's an app for uh, Apple TV. Uh, you can pull it up on your, if you have a smart TV, you can pull it up on your computer. It is a way to be able to just invest in God's Word and to be able to just to check that out. And we're very excited about that, to be able to offer it to everybody. But also, this is something that's going to be huge for our life groups. Our life groups can be able to use these Bible studies with video and downloadable uh, teaching outlines and things like that to be able to guide us through and just take this maybe a next step in our life group. And so we are so excited about that. And so today, if you do not get that email today, that means we don't have your correct email. It means uh, that we don't maybe have your information correct. So if you are expecting that and you don't get it, you just got to let us know this week. Shoot us an email uh, to the office and let us know uh, that we can get you on there and get it active so that you can then uh, receive that email to be able to log in and be able to use that. But Bible studies that are going to be able to be used for your kids, there's great video programming for them as well, uh, but also just help you to take those next steps in your faith journey to help you become a better disciple of Jesus. And we want to be able to offer that to you uh, and give that to you as we begin to use that. So I'm excited about it. There's actually a pamphlet, a little brochure in your uh, worship guide this morning as well that you can take a look at and check out some more info on it. Uh, but here's the deal. This morning, we are going to just dive into a passage of Scripture that, uh, for me, as we finished up this last semester of life groups, I felt like was something that was extremely important. And it came down to what some of the discussions that I had in the life group that I led. I led a life group of college and young adult students, and uh, in, in that, we had a lot of discussion. But one of the things that came up often was, what about those moments of doubt or unbelief, the moments when you're not sure you're, you're living what God's will is, the moments that you're not sure that you're living out, uh, what he has for you and experiencing everything that you can in your faith. And so through that, it kind of came to this idea that I wanted to just to teach on that today in this one-week standalone message before we begin our Christmas series next week. Christmas is in like 30 days. It's crazy to think, but it's coming quick. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you some statistics for those of you that are into numbers uh, like I am. Uh, the first one is this. 65% of American Christians have doubts about their faith. 65% have doubts about their faith. The other number is this, 38% of millennials age 22 to 37, 38, 23% of Gen X, that 38 to 53, 54 group, 19% of boomers, 55 to 75, and then 20% of elders, 76 plus, have doubts about their faith. Here's what I'm saying, doubt is not a generational thing, it's something that every single one of us experiences. We have these moments, we have these seasons in our life where we begin to struggle with doubt. And we have faith in who Jesus is, but we begin to have doubts about some things that, that we know or things that we've learned or things that we see. And so today, I, my hope really is this, is I want you to be able to understand that unbelief can be a, a demon that reveals itself in many ways in our life. That it's a demon that can come and that it can, it can fill our life and it can ultimately lead us down the wrong path. It can lead us down the wrong direction. And so here's the thing for you to this, is that it's what you do in that season that shows what your faith really is and what your faith's really made of. And so this morning, I, I've titled this message, 
I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Here's what I want you to do. Look to your neighbor. I want you to say, have you found it? Now look to the neighbor you don't like nearly as much and say, have you found it? There you go. If you're single, you're welcome. I just opened up the line right there, okay? So here's the deal. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I think this is something that speaks to each and every one of us because you may be a Christian here today and you're like, you know what? I have faith in who Jesus Christ is. I know that he died on the cross. I know that he saved me from my sin. But man, there are some things that I really just struggle understanding and I struggle getting it. Maybe that's for you today. But maybe you're here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're still looking for that and looking to see what that is and what that relationship really is and really is made of. Let me tell you this. Every one of us, no matter which of those sides of the spectrum you're on, every single one of us can learn something for today. And here's my hope is that today, maybe today, we can, I can be able to just to give you some, some principles, some ideas, some motivation to be able to continue looking for what we ultimately need to find. And so here's what I want to do. Open up. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got uh, the YouVersion Bible app, it'll be up on the screen, the verses we're going to look at in Mark 9. Uh, this is a good time to remind you that if you have version, that you can actually pull up our sermon notes each and every week by going to the bottom right corner, clicking that, the next page, click events, then just click on Coastal, and the outline is right there. And so you can be able to follow through with that. But here we go, Mark 9. We're going to read uh, verses 14 through 18, and it says this. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and it foam, he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. This passage of scripture we're going to read on here in just a few minutes more, but I want to set the scene. Here, right here in, this, in this, these couple of verses, you've got a couple different characters. You've got a couple different events and situations going on. The main thing that you've got going on is you've got Jesus who walks up on this crowd. And the crowd is amazed by him, it says. So here's the thing. He has just come from this moment of transfiguration where the glory of God has been shown on him, where God speaks to him and says, this is my son. You should believe in him. And so he comes to this group of people and he steps up and they are amazed by him. We can all be amazed by who Jesus is, and I think that's one of the things that's important for us to realize today, is that we can be amazed by who he is and what he has done. But he comes up on this argument that's happening, and Jesus is asking this, you know, what, what's going on? What's, what's all, all the craziness? What's the argument? What's, what's happening right here? And this man from the crowd yells out, what's going on? He begins to tell about the thing that he's experiencing with his situation with his own son, but with an intense emotion that he has. And with intense emotion of everything that's going around, the disciples, the scribes, this father, everybody that's in this, this situation, there's an intense emotion, and that brings about an intense action, which means people are going crazy. They're getting, they're getting probably physical. They're yelling at each other. There's this arguing going on. I think we can all agree that intense emotion brings about intense action. Husbands, how many of you in here have ever woke up one morning and your wife has smacked, hit, beat, pushed you because of something you did in her dream? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Some of you are like, man, I get that during the day too. Yeah, like it's crazy, right? That's a whole nother sermon for another day. But here's the thing. An intense emotion brings about an intense action. And Jesus comes into this situation and he is an intense person. People look at him and they are amazed by him. They're amazed by who he is. And this father gets this moment of being able to say, Jesus, here's what I'm going through. Here's what my son is experiencing. And here's the thing. Faith or lack of faith in Jesus brings an intense emotion that can drive us one way 
or another, but it's how we respond. You think about guys like Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas, both disciples of Jesus, both two men that followed and saw the miracles that Jesus performed, got the opportunity to have meals with him and walk with him side by side and to just ask any question they wanted to ask and be able to sit and pray with him and just experience life with him. Both of these individuals made decisions where they declined and denied who Jesus was. Peter, we know he denied Jesus three times, right? And then ultimately he gets to the point where he comes back and he asks for forgiveness and he seeks repentance and he has remorse about him. But Judas, who denies who Jesus is and turns him in, he goes about it the wrong way and he has this guilt and this shame so much that it drives him further and further away. I think there's a crossroads there for every single one of us to look at. They say when we have a moment of doubt, that we're walking side by side, hand in hand with Jesus, and we have a moment of doubt, the question is this, and we begin to deny who he is. Do we take the approach of Peter, or do we take the approach of Judas? Do we come back with a remorse, with a repentance in our heart, or do we go and go about it our, our own way, and we begin to feel this guilt and this shame, the same way that Judas experienced? You see, Satan and the world are looking to tear each one of us down by tearing down God. But they're also... Satan is coming at you. And you know what Satan, I think, has realized? Is that he doesn't just have to get you just to deny your faith. He just needs you to doubt it. Because a Christian who doubts their faith for even a moment is someone who's lost a lot of power, a lot of ability. And if he can just get you to doubt it for a moment, he feels like he's got you. So the father is the other individual in this who is desperate for help. He's frustrated with the disciples and what they could not do. And so let's read on in verse 19. It says this. He replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him, Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said, and many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. This is a moment where the father begins to explain a little bit more, where the son begins to, uh, there's this experience where the son begins to show who he is and the, the, the demon that has taken over his life. And Jesus is frustrated with the doubt uh, of the father and of the people in this situation right here. But you know what Jesus doesn't do? He doesn't walk away. When you experience doubt in your life, understand this, Jesus is not walking away from you. He may be frustrated, but it's okay. And here's the thing. If you get anything out of this message today, here's the statement that I want you to get. It's not a sin to have doubts about your faith. It just means you're human. It just means you're human. See, doubt is something that this father was going through right there in the face of Jesus, this moment of unbelief. And demons are still a big problem for us today. Have any of you ever had something happen to you, something done to you that has made you uh, act poorly, that has made you make terrible decisions, make you know, poor choices, give in to awful, just you know, treat people terribly, and just act in a way that is not normally you? Anybody ever had anything happen to them like that? Yeah, like somebody, alcohol, right? Like that does that. Let me go a little bit different. Politics, right? I follow some of y'all on Facebook, man. It's rough, right? No matter which side of the aisle you're on, like, okay, nobody's getting their politics ideas changed because of what you said on Facebook. It's just not happening. But politics, alcohol, let's go maybe a little bit nicer, a little bit sweeter idea. What about love? Has love ever made you do anything dumb, stupid? Every one of us could probably say that. 
make terrible financial situations, drop friends at, at, at a moment. We begin to do those things. But doubt is a demon that comes and it faces us each and every time that we have these moments when, we're, when we struggle with this season of unbelief. And most of our doubts come the fa- from the fact that we haven't been talking to Jesus enough. And that's what I think the biggest problem is. Is that we haven't been talking to him enough. We haven't been spending enough time in his word. We haven't been spending enough time in prayer. And we haven't been spending enough time with a community of believers and spending time and diving into God's word. So Jesus asked how long the boy has had this demon. And here's the thing. It's not because Jesus didn't know. It's because Jesus wanted everybody else to hear how long the demon has been with this boy because he was getting ready to fix the problem and he wanted them to know just how big of a problem he was about to fix. Do you understand this, that Jesus knows the size of your problem? But he wants you to acknowledge and be able to see that he has so much power to be able to fix it. And our doubts sometimes keep us from experiencing everything that goes with that. The father in this situation has the wrong attitude. Did you catch what he said? He said, Jesus, if you can do anything, if God in the flesh, the most powerful being, the one that has created this man and everybody around him and knows everything that's going on, God, if you can do anything, how often do we talk to God like this? How often do we use the word if to talk to God? God, if you can do this, if you can heal this, if you can fix this problem, if you can do this, I think the word if is a blocker. And what I mean by it is this, anybody ever had a prayer that's been shot blocked? Like I played basketball and like when you block somebody and they go up for a shot, like it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. But have you ever been in a situation where somebody's shot blocked your prayer? What I mean is I, I worked with teenagers for almost 15 years. And when working with teenagers, I remember several times, but one time in particular, standing in a circle with students and there's two girls that are like best friends. And one of them, it's her turn to pray and it's kind of going around the circle and she prays, dear God, just thank you for uh, Johnny, who is my boyfriend and he is awesome. And God, we just pray that we can glorify you in our relationship. And God, we pray that we're going to get married one day because God, we are in love. Thank you, God, for Johnny and me and our relationship. And then it goes to her friend. God, I pray for Sally that she would realize Johnny is a loser, that, God, that, that what they did last night does not glorify you, and that, God, she would realize he needs to break up with him because neither one of them is good for each other. That is what I call by a prayer shot block. Here's the funny thing. I think we do this to ourselves. I think we do this to ourselves. We say, God, if you can restore that relationship, God, if you can heal my disease, my cancer, God, if you can take care of the situation and the problem that I am facing. No, that is the wrong attitude. We got to have the attitude, God, I know that you can do this. God, you are the restorer of relationships. God, you are the healer of my health. God, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the only one that can be able to do this. People, I want you to understand that when this, this father had this idea, and he says, if you can do anything, and then it follows up where Jesus is like, if you can? Like, if? I can, don't you know who I am? This moment in this, the life of this father, he begins to realize what he's experiencing. And it's a moment of unbelief. He has faith in who Jesus is, but he has a moment of unbelief. And Jesus is making him realize that and acknowledge that. So here's the first truth that I have for you this morning. And that's this. I must have the right attitude to find what I'm looking for. I must have the right attitude to find what I'm looking for. It's all about the attitude that you have, the motivation that you have to be able to experience who God is and to have faith that continues. And when you are in a season of doubt or unbelief in your life to realize it's okay, but it's about the attitude that I have during that. 
Some of you maybe realize, well, how do I know if I'm in a season of, un, of an unhealthy uh, unbelief or an unhealthy doubt? And let me give you a couple ideas here. These aren't on your sheet, but you may uh, want to write them down. These are things that you can look for in your own life if you're in a season of unhealthy unbelief. You have a lack of generosity. You get conservative. You're conservative in your giving of not just you know, you know, time, money, resources, your energy, everything. You begin to get conservative in that, and your generosity begins to lower and lower, and that's something that you can look for. Another thing is you begin to have a lack of consistency. And what I mean by a lack of consistency, a lack of consistency, uh, maybe in, in church attendance, maybe uh, in involvement in a, in a life group, maybe involvement in serving, maybe a consistency in your daily walk with Christ when you're spending time in his word, when you're spending time in prayer, you begin to see those things that are not there. That's when you begin to realize you may be in an unhealthy season of doubt. Another one is thankfulness. You begin to put pride in yourself and what you can do and what you have done. Or maybe a lack of motivation when you don't realize that you have the opportunity and the privilege to talk to the God of the universe. We have an unhealthy season. There's an unhealthy time and an unhealthy unbelief that we can experience. And these are some few just key things that we can look for. Now I want to quote a... uh, Let's call him a modern-day theologian of our time, our incredible tech team. Uh, Our tech team does an amazing job each and every week. I don't know if you know this. They're here for hours, and they do a great job. Make sure you give them a high-five or a hug or a handshake. But they've got this picture I want to show. This is a theologian of our time. It should pop up here. Anybody know who that is? Bono from U2, right? Bono from U2. In 1987, the album came out from U2, Joshua Tree, one of the greatest albums of all time. If you don't agree with me, see me after the service, I'll tell you why you were wrong, okay? One of the best albums ever. But the second song on that is a song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Now, let me read you the opening line from this song. I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is this your attitude when it comes to your faith? Or maybe some of you, some of you that are in here and you don't have of faith just yet. You haven't submitted your life to Jesus Christ. And do you have this kind of an attitude that, God, I would run, I would climb the highest mountains. I would run through the fields. I would climb and scale the city walls just to be with you, just to be with you. He gives us a great illustration and be able to, and some words to be able to read right here. But let me, let's bring it into the, to the Bible because that's what's important. And David in Psalm 63 verse one says this, oh God, you are my God earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry land, a dry and weary land where there is no water. This point right here, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Can that be said about you and your faith in who God is? Because if that's not an attitude that you have, a right attitude that you are experiencing, that you have, it may be a season of unbelief. It may be a season of struggling with doubts that you have in your own faith. But Jesus replies, we go back to Mark 9, he says, if you can, if you can, don't you know who I am? And he gives him this line, everything is possible for the one who believes. If he had a mic, he would have dropped it right there, right? Everything is possible for the one who believes. Our belief in God should be more powerful than our doubts. 
Our belief in God and who he is should be more powerful than those doubts and that doubts as they come, they are something that we experience and that we go through and that we face, but we still can go and say, you know what? I know I have faith in who Jesus Christ is, even though I'm struggling in this moment about what I'm experiencing. Mark 9, verse 24. Let's go on with this story. Mark 9, verse 24, it says, Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse, so that many said, He's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. This leads me to the second truth for you this morning, and that's this. I must remain faithful to find what I am looking for. I must remain faithful to find what I am looking for. The father has this attitude change that happens where he goes from experiencing and saying, if you can, to this moment where he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. God, help me in the moments that I'm struggling. Help me moment, in the moments that I'm facing these doubts and this, this disbelief. God, help me right here and right now. See, here's the thing. Both faith and unbelief were experienced by the Father simultaneously. I want you to understand that you can be a faithful follower of Christ and experience doubts in your life. It's, it can happen because it just makes you human. It makes you uh, imperfect. It's just, and just understanding that there are these moments that you're going to face just like this father who was right there with Jesus. You know what one of the worst things about being a parent is? Car seats. Like, I'm still not really sure we've got them put in the right way. We got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. There's things hanging where I'm like, that's probably not supposed to be hanging like that. I don't know. But they are a pain, and I don't understand how they all go together. I don't understand how they fit together and work and all these, you know, different things. And I don't know, you know, how they were built. But you know what I do know? I do know I trust in them. I do know that I trust in those car seats to protect my kids. Even though I don't understand every single little thing about it, I do know that I understand and have faith and I trust that that car seat is going to protect my two little girls if we're in an accident. I tell you that because here's what I want you to know. You don't have to know everything about God to have faith in him. You don't have to have, know everything. Jesus fixed the problem once the father acknowledged his unbelief. It's kind of like he said, you know, like, are, are you going to believe in me without a miracle? And then, like, when he said, I, you know, help me in my unbelief, he's like, okay, now I'll do it. He wanted him to acknowledge and realize and recognize what the father was experiencing. And then he said, okay, now I'll take care of the situation. Now I'll take care of the problem. So let me give you some signs of a season of healthy unbelief. These aren't on your notes, but feel free to jot them down. Signs of a season of healthy unbelief. Humility. You have humility saying, you know what, I don't know it all, and that's okay. I don't know it all, and that's okay. If you were to take my truck right now, put it in all of its pieces, and lay them out, and give me 100 years to put it back together, I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't make it, it would never start. I couldn't put it back together because I don't know, and that's okay. I'm humble enough to realize in that area, you know what, I don't get it. I don't know how it works. So humility is something that we can experience when we are in a season of healthy unbelief. Another thing is that we can experience is that we ask the right questions. We ask the right questions. My daughters, we go over uh, the bridge from, uh, you know, the peninsula to, to Mount Pleasant or back and forth or whatever. We go over that bridge often. And when we go over the bridge, I get these questions like, why is there a bridge? Well, to connect, you know, this part to that part. Well, why is there all these lanes? So people can go across them. 
Well, why is all these cars using them? Well, those are the people using the lanes. Well, why are these people walking? They don't have a car. You know, like, and you get all that, well, why is these big white things sticking up in here? Why is there water under here? Why? And I, I don't know, you know, well, who built the bridge? Aliens. Aliens built the bridge. That's who did it, right? You get, see, they're, they're inquisitive. They're asking questions because they want to know. But do we ask questions when we are in a season of, of unbelief? Or do we just simply say, well, I don't really know what that is. And we move on. We've got to have this moment where we say, you know what? I understand that I don't get it, and I need to ask these questions. Questions indicate belief, but only if you actually want the answers. Someone who asks questions without wanting to learn is not truly asking, but is challenging. And challenging is not believing. It's undermining. You see, to ask the right questions. Another sign of a season of healthy unbelief is to dig deeper. In your doubts is where you're going to find depth to your faith. If I were to tell you right now that out here in this front yard of our church, we have buried a treasure. We've marked it with an X. We've got shovels. Who wants it? I don't think any one of you would say, oh man, I don't want to dig today. I got the right clothes on. My hands kind of hurt and I had a rough week at work. If I told you there, you know, a million dollars was in there, how many of you would say, oh, I can't do it today, not today. I just won't get it. Well, let me tell you this. There is a treasure that is in the word of God that you don't even have to dig and get dirty for. You just have to read. You have to spend time with him. You have to spend time in prayer and talking with him and being in community with who God is. If I were to tell you there was a buried treasure in the front yard, every single one of you would grab a shovel and get at it. But if I were to tell you that there is a buried treasure right here in this book, so many people in this world would say, eh, I don't know that I need that. So dig deeper. Another sign of a healthy unbelief is worship, to give glory to God for the mysteries of our faith. He, there are things that are mysterious about our faith, and that's okay, but to worship God and say, God, if you, you are mysterious, and we appreciate that about you, because here's the thing, if God could be figured out, then he's not worthy to be God. That's the God that we want to serve. If there's a God that I can figure out, he's not very, he's not very good. He's not a good one, right? I want a God that is so complex and so powerful and so uh, smart and so much smarter than me that he leads me and he guides me, provides authority and power in my life. That's the kind of God that I want to worship. And that's the God that we worship. A God who has mercies and mysteries of our faith that are unsolvable. And sometimes we just don't know. But that's what makes it exciting. And that's where the faith comes in. Another sign is community, that we need others who are on this journey too. We need people like this right here in, our, in the room. We need to be a part of a life group where we are sitting down and we are discussing the words of God and discussing his scripture with him. An author by the name of Seth Godin, who is a, a leader, uh, author, a communicator, speaks a lot of business and things like that, wrote a book called Tribes. Many of you have maybe read it. But a quote that out of that book that I want to share with you is this. He says, tribes, so gathering, community, a church, a group of people, tribes are about faith. They're about belief in an idea, and they're about community. That's us, right? We're, we're about faith. We're about belief in an idea of who Jesus is and the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we're also about community, meaning that we come together, and we work together, and we talk together, and we worship together in a community to be able to worship God for who he is, that's an extremely important quote for us to be able to look at. But in verse 27 of this chapter that we're, that we're reading through in Mark 9, it says, But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. 
Jesus heals the son and he removes the demon and it says that he takes him by the hand and he raises him and he stands up. Doubts will humble you and they will cause you to think. But here's the thing, when questions begin to get answered and the doubts begin to go, Jesus steps in and he raises us up. It's in those depths where we can find who Jesus is and your faith is encouraged in this moment. It's strengthened to realize that Jesus has stepped down into our space and has experienced our struggles and the, and the things that we go through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Jesus experienced this. He walked through it right here with this man, this father, who was experiencing this moment, experiencing this moment of unbelief. When your doubt pushes you to dive deeper, you'll find Jesus in the depths to meet you. And to lift you up. And when you dive in, God honors it and reveals himself to you. Now, I've got a chair up here that uh, you may have been wondering why it's sitting here. Uh, here's the moment for this chair. Because the next couple little uh, points on your outline deal with this chair. And here's the first one. When you are skeptical, then you need community. You see, skeptical versus faith. Skeptical looks at this chair, sees this chair and says, you know what? I know more about this chair. And they walk away from the chair. But someone who is in community says, you know what, I'm going to interact with this chair. I'm going to look at this chair. I'm going to check it out, and I'm going to see what's going on. Saying, you know what, I, I know a lot, but I don't know everything, and I'm willing to admit that, and I'm going to, I'm going to at least give it, a, give it a shot. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to observe. But the other one, the next one, when you're apathetic, then you need worship. You need worship. I don't care about that chair. Let me walk away from that chair. Let me reject that chair. Let me reject, you know, my faith is essentially what we're saying here. Let me walk away from that. But in taking that and becoming faithful, if you are a faithful person and not an, an apathetic person, you're saying, let me feel, let me check it out, let me inspect it, and let me look, you know, all the screws are in the chair, it, it seems built well, and you go through that. That's what the apathetic person needs. They need worship to experience it. But when you, when you are doubting, then you need Bible study. You need Bible study, you need God's word. You see, the one that's doubting says, I'm not sure about this chair. I'm not sure about it. But you know what? I'm going to give it a shot, and I'm going to invest, and I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to sit in, I'm going to try it out. And when it comes to God's Word, we have to get into it, and we have to spend time in it. If you, let me, let me tell you this. If you rely on what you hear from, from Pastor Chris or myself or whoever on, on a Sunday for 30, 35 minutes, and that's your Word of God for the week, you are missing a whole lot of your faith. This should be kind of like a, a gas station, like just to fill up, just to kind of get you back going, get some momentum going because of what you're doing during the week and you're spending time in God's word and you're spending time and in investing in who he is. That's why we do life groups when you can get down into the nuts and bolts, you can have this time, opportunities for discussion and really seeing those things play out, which leads to the, the third truth that I want to share with you this morning. And that's this. I must be in relentless prayer to find what I'm looking for. I must be in relentless prayer to find what I'm looking for. See, prayer is the overarching theme to this entire thing. If we're reading in Mark 9, verse 28 and 29 to close out this section, it says, After he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. First off, this kind? There's more than one kind of demon? Yes, there are many kinds of demons. But he tells them this. He says, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer. You see, the disciples had tried to do this on their own. They had tried to, to heal uh, and, and, and remove this demon, but they tried to do it on their own, and, that, and that's, that's wrong. And here's the thing. We all have demons in our life, things that we're facing, doubt, depression, anger, 
sadness, insecurity, a substance abuse, a family situation. We all have our own demons. Some of you, you've got Thanksgiving this week, and some of you are like, the demons are coming, right? Like, you know it's coming. You know it's about to happen. Like Thursday, you're marking it down, and like, can Thursday be over already, right? Because it's coming. It's happening. Things that make you change in who you are and the way that you act and the way that you treat other people and the decisions and the choices that you make. You see, it can't be overcome by walking away or by inconsistency. It can only be overcome by community, worship, God's word, and prayer. Whatever your demon is, these are the things that can keep you with your faith, keep you in those moments of unbelief. But only by the power of prayer can this happen, Jesus says. Your doubts can lead you to dive deeper, but in the depths you must pray. And it's the only way to really find what we're looking for. You see, the Father had to acknowledge with Jesus what he was, uh, where he was in his belief and his doubt, where Jesus revealed himself to him more fully. Here's what I want to ask you. When was the last time that you prayed to God? And I don't mean like, dear God, thank you for this food. I don't, I don't mean like, oh, Pastor Chris prayed to close out his message. When was the last time, the last time you actually got down on your knees, you prayed, and you talked to God, and you just surrendered everything to him? You said, God, I have moments of doubt God, my faith is weak at moments. God, I, I struggle as a parent, as a husband, or as a wife. God, I struggle as a, as a believer. God, you, you get down. Have you ever been down on your knees? Or how, when was the last time? Have you gotten down on your knees and you said, God, you know, I, I need your help? You see, the position of this isn't as important as what it represents. The posture of your heart. When you were on your knees, you were saying, I humbly come to you. You're submitting and you're surrendering everything that you are to Jesus in that moment. You're saying, God, I need prayer I need this moment to be able to talk to you and be able to surrender who I am. God, I know that you are the one that can restore the relationships that I'm facing. God, I know that you are the one that can help me discover what your will for my life is. God, I know that you are the one that can heal my disease that I'm facing. God, I know you are the one that can heal my family situation. I'm struggling. God, I know that you are the one that can give me the passion, the energy, the motivation to want to invest and dive into your word. But you got to pray. You've got to pray regularly and consistently, and as I put in this point, relentlessly. That you're always praying, that you're always talking to God for who he is. And some of you have never talked with God in this way in your life. Because you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. Let me tell you this. There is a God that's created you, that knows everything about you, and loved you so much that he sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. That you can't attain heaven on your own, that it doesn't, you can't just be a good person and get there, but there's perfection required. And Jesus gives us that perfection. And when we surrender our life to him, our heart is changed and our heart is now his heart. And then when God looks at us, he sees righteousness and he sees holiness. And for those of you who are in here that have surrendered your life to Jesus, when was the last time you dropped to your knees and you prayed and you cried out to God and submitted yourself to him? I want to be able to ask you that because I think it's something that a lot of us, if we were to really evaluate, say, man, it's been, it's been a long time. Let me encourage you today that if you are not a believer here to do this and submit and surrender your life to Jesus, to understand this, you don't have to know everything about God to have faith in him. Nobody in this room knows everything about God because if we did, it's, it's a God that's not worth serving and not God that's not worth worshiping. My God is a God of mysteries I got a faith that is revealed day in and day out over the years to come until that one day when I leave this earth and I stand before him and I say, God, I've got questions. And he's going to say, I've got answers. 
that's when I will be able to find those things out, to be, have, be able to have those revealed to me fully. And here I want to close with this statement. You don't have to know all of the answers because you are going to claim your faith and trust in the one who does. If you would, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I just want to thank you for who you are right now, God. I want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I want to pray right now. Lord, if there's people in this room that want to surrender their life to you, God, that they would do it right now and realizing all they need to do is call out your name to admit humbly that they can't do it on their own, to admit that you are the God who loves them, the God who sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for them. The God, they don't have to have everything figured out to have faith in you. God, that's, honestly, that's part of the, the adventure. That's part of the excitement that we go through and that we get to face as a follower of you. Is that, God, we get to see your mercies revealed to us day in and day out for the years to come. And that we learned something today that years ago we never could have understood. But as we grow closer to you, as we spend time in your word with the right attitude, we ask the right questions and we remain faithfully. That, God, you begin to reveal those things to us. Father, I want to pray that those people that are in this room right now, Lord, that they would humbly submit and surrender their life to you in this moment. And God, for those that are here that have done that already, God, I want to pray that they would realize that they have moments of doubt and that's okay. But God, it's about their attitude that they have. It's about the faithfulness that they experience and about the relentless prayer that they can have in their life that will help them overcome those doubts, to help them go from that moment to say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. God, I pray right now that you would be glorified through our actions, through our words, through our speech. And Father, right now you would speak to each and every one of us, myself included. It's your son's name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.